Welcome to the second Journal of African History podcast. Today, we are talking to Sarah Walters from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Sarah has written the introductory article for a JH forum on African historical demography, which will appear in the journal's second issue of 2021, which is number 62.2. Sarah's paper is titled African Population History, Contributions of Moral Demography. My name is Shane Doyle, and I'm one of the editors of the journal. Welcome, Sarah. It's a pleasure to talk with you today, speaking today from Nairobi. How are you doing? Hi, Shane. Hi. Thanks for inviting me along. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm also great. Thank you. Okay, so... Maybe my first question could be quite broad. Could I start off by asking why Africa's demographic history is so significant in terms of current policy concerns and also in relation to the broader history of the continent? Sure, thanks. It's a, a great question. I guess the way I think about this is uh, the sort of two ways of, of looking at this. First of all, perhaps why is history so important for contemporary demography? And I think. A lot of listeners will be very aware that population growth is pretty high on the policy agenda at the moment in Africa and globally. You know, we know that the continent is projected to account for more than half of total global population growth by 2050, and that fertility remains very high in many parts of the continent. And there's a lot of work being done trying to understand why uh, fertility decline appears to be slower in Africa than in other world regions. And a lot of demographers have called for better understanding of the kind of institutional supports for high fertility in Africa. And I think, you know, in order to understand that, history is hugely important. Um, so that's, that's sort of why, why do we need to understand the past in order to understand the present? And then looking at the other way around, why is demography so important to history? And I think this is sort of why I ended up coming into demography. It's because I think... I think that demography is a really powerful way of looking at the impact of events, but also wider social, economic, medical change. So I think there's a lot of truth in something that John Eilis said when he talks about the ways in which demographic history allows you to kind of really get to the concerns and the, the outcomes for you know, a very large number of people. Demographic sources are encompass a huge number of people. So you can kind of begin to get to some of those more perhaps democratizing uh, questions in history. So I think, I, you know, I buy into that slightly old fashioned, perhaps, view that quantitative history can be a kind of democratizing tool. And I think it's, it's very important for measuring wider social and economic and, and medical change. Thank you. That's fascinating. So in terms of the, the forum itself that we've put together, could you tell us how the forum engages with and contributes to the historiographical debates about African population history? Sure. So there, we've got four papers in the forum, and I think they each contribute uh, to perhaps slightly different aspects of the historiographical debate about demographic history in Africa. 
John Thornton, who pretty much pioneered work on parish registers and and on historical demography more broadly uh, with his work on the Kingdom of the Congo, has uh, contributed a paper in which he contributes to the debate about the demographic impact of the slave trade, the Atlantic slave trade in particular in, in, in his case. And you know, this has obviously been a huge, uh, huge part of the historiographical debates about historical demography. Um, so he, his work on, on the Kingdom of the Congo basically shows that population size in the 17th century is, uh, it seems to have been higher than, than previous consensus, which kind of revises consensus about the timing and duration of the impact of the slave trade. So I think, you know, that contributes to one big area of historiographical debate. Then we have some papers which address, so Gerardo Serra and Morton Yervin have addressed another big theme um, in historical demography, which is about how demographic growth in Africa has been somewhat uneven. So some places have grown faster than others, and how this has been associated with different forms of um, political and economic accumulation. So they, they look at some of the controversies over the censuses in Nigeria. They look at the, the 1963 census in particular, and they're sort of talking about the incentive structures structures around uh, population counting in the region and the ways in which, I suppose, identities were configured and reconfigured through the processes of enumeration themselves. Um, so it's sort of about, you know, a little bit relating to debates about the politics of the census and so on. And then Yelma Voss and Paolo Teodoro de, de Matos they use some data from the Counting Colonial Populations project, which basically collated a lot of the Portuguese demographic data. And they try to contribute to the debate about sort of the transformations that happened to slavery within Africa through the impact of abolition and the ending of the transatlantic uh, slave trade. So they look at several regions within Angola and basically show that the transformation thesis you know, holds up more in some areas than in others using these uh, sort of micro-level data that they have. Um, and then my own paper, I refer to a slightly more contemporary debate, which is about the origins of population growth in the 20th century. And I show using census data and parish registers that it's perhaps not entirely easy to resolve whether or not fertility or mortality were more important in contributing to population change during the earlier colonial period, but that what I've found extremely significant is very rapidly rising fertility from the 1940s onwards in various East and Central African countries that I've worked in, which I think, you know, comes back to the first question you asked me about contemporary population policy and why demographic history is important. I think those legacies from earlier in the 20th century are still having very big impacts today. Thanks, Sarah. I think it's, it's so interesting the ways in which there are such different debates in, in different periods and relating to different kinds of, of history, you know, to politics and, and economics and, and so on and so on. In terms of your own paper, could you give us a sense of the kinds of, of primary sources that you use? You know, I know you work a lot with parish records, baptism registers and so on, which I think for many listeners will seem, you know, very kind of dry data sources, you know, which would, you know, tell you stuff about fertility change in a quantitative sense. But I think what you would emphasize is that you can also, you know, work with the, the marginal comments and, and you can get a sense of, you know, family change, cultural change, and so on. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Thanks. Yes. I mean, I guess the first thing to say is that 
you know, obviously historical demography, you know, in other parts, certainly in, in Europe um, and in other parts of the world, has really rested on the use of parish registers. So these are registers of baptisms and marriages and burials, which we link together, we link the individuals in them together into families in order to then be able to calculate demographic rates from them. And I've been extremely, I guess, kind of a bit amazed actually at what rich sources I've been able to find in Africa. I and others have been able to find um, in some of the African parishes, especially the older parishes, in fact, kept incredibly detailed records. And, uh, you know, I've had European historical demographers quite jealous of the richness of the data that uh, can be found. A lot of the missionary organizations actually collected something called family books or what are called states of souls registers, where they, you know, not only record the birth and the death and the marriage of a person, but also, you know, actually make comments on the record about what those people's living arrangements are, you know, at the moment. And, uh, you know, as well as a whole host of other, other data. I mean, I've worked mainly with parishes founded by the White Fathers, a Catholic missionary organization who also kept extremely detailed diaries and other data, which uh, you can use alongside the quantitative data to, you know, to try, sort of understand what was happening to ideas about reproduction and family formation in the context of growing Catholicism in the area. Um, so sort of understanding how these Catholic communities came to be and how ideas about family change were so integral to the growth of Catholicism in those communities. Thank you. This sounds such an amazing kind of source, given the, the density, I think, of the information that's recorded about community, you know, at a community level. From this kind of source material, you've developed a concept of moral demography, and you use that in your paper to frame your contribution. Could you tell us what you mean by it and whether it's an approach that perhaps other scholars might be able to adapt or, or whether you think it's it's unique to your particular case studies? Sure. So I guess when, you know, when I started out doing this work, I, I wanted to approach these records, you know, I sort of approached them with a kind of scientific mindset thinking, you know, I'm going to now enter all these data, link them together, and I'm going to calculate demographic rates and look at change over time. And I think I very, very quickly came to realize that, you know, in fact, these records are hugely detailed by people coming in and out of the church, people changing their affiliation, people using the church to kind of manage their own resilience that the church itself was extremely influential in trying to kind of change ideas about family life, which had, you know, may have, may have had greater or lesser impact at different times and for different individuals. So, you know, the, the records were kind of riddled with this uh, very difficult compositional demography, if you like. So sort of uh, the idea that people were there for a reason, people appeared in records for a reason, and the sort of structures that determined when or, or how people came into the records were going to be extremely important in my analysis. I couldn't just sit down and calculate the rates without really understanding what was happening in terms of religious change, in terms of the influence of the church, and in terms of people's, the conversations that people were having within communities about what it meant to be a Catholic, what it meant to be a woman, what it meant to be a man, and so on in these, in these communities. And, you know, there is a, there's a category of demography called critical demography, in which scholars have tried to unpick 
data sources and to try and understand why categories and constructs become embedded in those data sources and what we can and cannot measure through them. But I really felt that actually we could go even further than that kind of critical demography approach to really use the sources, the quantitative sources, together with the much wider qualitative historical record, the archival sources, as well as I suppose I also drew a lot on my experience of living in these parishes. I mean, I spent a long time you know, living in these places, trying to just photograph all of the data and, and reconstruct the relationships. So sort of understanding these reflexive processes around how did people come to the church? What influence did the church have? What resistance was there to ideas about changing moral ideas about family and, and family structures and so on? So that is why I came to this, I guess, framework of moral demography. It's just what I felt I was actually doing in trying to understand better the data that I was using. And I think it does, you know, there are parallels with the kind of moral economy approach where I think that kind of uh, reflexive and reciprocal approach to, you know, people's sort of debates about um, entitlement and exchange take place. I'm sort of trying to do something similar, but foregrounding the discussions about social reproduction that were happening in Africa throughout my period through the 20th century. And I guess in terms of, you know, how could that moral demography approach be applied fruitfully in other contexts? You know, I, I think I came to realize that actually all demographic sources are to, to lesser or greater degrees bounded by the same constraints. They're determined by the structures in which they are generated. The people who appear in them and the ways in which people appear in them are determined by the kind of structures in which they are generated. And so I think that there are, you know, there are sort of lessons from that historical work that could be applied certainly to contemporary data. And I think, you know, could be applied as well, you know, in other regions in terms of application to historical demographic data as well. Thank you. That's, that's so fascinating. So where do you think future research on demographic history might take us? Are there new directions that we should be looking out for? I think there's been a big resurgence in interest in demographic history, driven in large part, I think, through economic history. You can have a look at the uh, African Economic History Network website, for example, for a lot of examples of recent projects that have looked at uh, population change and demographic history. I think another big driver has been, you know, this issue that population growth in Africa is a huge policy concern at the moment. And becoming increasingly so, I guess, also in the context of climate change, I think has been, there's been something of a resurgence of a kind of Malthusian narrative creeping in sometimes, against which there's been some pushback and some more kind of critical approaches, which I think have tried to engage with history and population history and the history of population policy in the region, all of which I think are integrated in this idea of historical demography and, and what it can contribute. So I think you know, I think there has been a resurgence of interest and it's my hope that the forum will take that forward even further. And, you know, I think there's a huge scope for people to engage here who are not necessarily quantitative demographers or even quantitative historians. I think that, you know, the real, the really powerful analyses are done when we can work collaboratively and bring in uh, kind of critical and qualitative approaches as well to the quantitative sources. So I think, you know, I think the future is is bright. I've been very inspired to hear of more recent PhDs working on population history and demographic history in the region. And we are setting up a network 
for African population history at the moment. There's a website at uh, afin.net, A-P-H-I-N.net, where you can find details about upcoming seminars and conference and so on. I hope that's also going to provide a kind of place where people can come together and, uh, and discuss some of these issues and uh, hopefully um, inspire some collaborative projects as well. Wonderful. Well, let's hope so. Okay, Sarah, it's been uh, so interesting to, to hear you talk about your own research and, and the forum more broadly. Thanks so much for talking to us today and the very best of luck with your future work. Thanks so much, Shane. Thank you. Take care. Bye.